Have you ever not noticed how divided the church is? There are more denominations than we can count, with new ones appearing every year. This is Wednesday, September 6th. And this might lead you asking, what is the matter with us? We have one baptism, one Lord, one faith, one God and Father who is over us all. How could this happen? This is a painful question for us. The world looks on and sees the intramural squabbling of the church, and it just doesn't make sense, unless there's really nothing to the message that we share. We know there is. We know the truth about Jesus. Now, divisions have always been the way for God's people. It's true. The tribes of Israel were often at odds with each other, or they simply kept to themselves and took care of themselves only. Then there was Judaism at the time of Jesus. It was divided by political parties. The various factions were often trapped in disagreement and acrimony. Even the Pharisees, one of the most conservative branches of the faith, were divided into six different groups, all claiming superiority over the others. It seemed to be a hopeless mess. Then Jesus showed up. He didn't fit any of the traditional categories. He was neither right or left. He seemed to be more conservative than the conservatives and more liberal than the liberals. He taught and kept the law, and he also welcomed sinners and ate with them. Now we look at the divisions among God's people because of this part of Jesus' prayer. This is John chapter 17, verse 11. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Now Jesus here prays for his disciples because as he prays, he's leaving the world, but they're going to have to live in the world. He's bringing before the Father requests for what they need. Because they will remain in the world, they are going to need each other. If the church becomes fractured, how will it survive? What hope will the disciples have if they find themselves in conflict with each other? How will they draw strength from each other if they cannot walk together? Now, the Apostle Paul often has to confront believers over their conflict in his letters. For example, Paul says, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement, the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. That's Philippians chapter 4, verse 2 to 3. Now, Paul doesn't tell us what the conflict of these two women is about. He doesn't need to do that. Instead, he sounds like a friend, a brother really, begging them to end their rift. Of course, he loves them. And this family language of brother and sister fills the New Testament. Your brother will always be your brother. And so you must find a way to resolve your conflict. Of course, this is heartbreaking enough for Paul that he has to call them out publicly in his letter to the church. They must be embarrassed when they hear these words. 
They have both worked with Paul in ministry, and now they refuse to come together. Years ago, when I was pastoring in New Jersey, two women leaders entered into such a conflict. Both of them were gifted and godly, but something happened between them that neither of them could forgive. The relationship seemed irreparably torn through, though they had served alongside each other in ministry and also alongside me. This became a huge distraction for their ministry team and indeed for the whole church. Jesus is praying this would not be so among his people. Why? He knows we need each other. Each of us, myself included, we fail in many ways. It takes the love of a brother or sister to bring me to my senses. But this cannot happen if we do not enjoy unity. These sorts of rifts have been the most painful experiences of ministry for me. I trust in the resources of the cross and believe that Jesus can heal relationships that have been fractured. You see, the unity Jesus prayed for can only be found in him. As it was in our church at the time, those women went in different directions. And for as far as I know, they never healed the breach between them. When people on the outside of the church look in and see this, they wonder what the church is all about, whether the message we share could possibly be true. When this happens, it's difficult to be salt and light as Jesus has sent us in the world to be. So how can we respond when division comes? I think humility is the way. I can listen to a brother or sister I'm at odds with if I see that I have a part in the wrong, if it's only 1%. And I always have at least 1%. Even then, I can see that I have something to learn, more of God's grace to rest in, and more love to learn in the process. I am thankful that Jesus prayed for unity because I know that he prayed for you and me. As we think about this today, we might wonder what wake have we left in our lives of relationships unmended, forgiveness not offered, and healing that's yet to happen. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for the conflicts we stir up and our willingness to be at odds with each other. Point us to the cross so that we may find peace there in Jesus. For we pray in his name. Amen.